Hello and welcome to Kaplan's NCLEX PrepCast, brought to you by KaplanNursing.com, which offers prep options for the NCLEX RN and NCLEX PN examinations. In today's podcast episode, we're going to be going through a Q&A from some of your questions regarding nursing school, life as a nurse, the NCLEX, and we're doing that with our special guest, Katie Duke, who I'm sure many of you out there probably know. If you're one of the two or three people who may not know who Katie is, uh, she's a nurse practitioner, a public figure, an influencer. She's got 14 years experience in nursing. She's a board certified acute care nurse practitioner. You'll see her on Instagram and so many other channels out there and has been featured on TV. So she's just an amazing guest to have on the show. So welcome to our uh, podcast episode, Katie. How are you? Well, I'm doing good, good. Thank you for that uh, very humbling introduction, <laughs> Matt. Um, always a pleasure to be back at Kaplan. Kaplan is a, uh, we have a long history together, Kaplan and I, as I'm sure many, many students do. But the purpose for today is that we wanted to address some of those questions that people can't always really get the answers to. So your friends might know, your professors might not know, you not, might, you know, not, you Ah, I can tell I haven't finished my coffee. <laughs> you might not be able to ask your, your, your colleagues at work or your manager. So we're here to talk about all those in-betweens of, of everything. We have a lot of lifestyle questions. We have nursing questions. We have school questions. We have grad school questions. We have test prep questions. So what we're going to do is we're just going to run through those right now, and we're going to talk about everything. Yeah, and uh, it's a good thing we do have uh, coffee for both yeah, of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, maybe I should redo that whole entire intro. <laughs> Thanks, Matt, for having me here at Kaplan today. Kaplan and I go way back. <laughs> now that no, I've drank a, a, an eighth of my coffee, I can probably get through this a little, a little more, uh, a little more clearly. We'll just get but, through the whole thing. Um, and did I miss anything about you? Uh, no, in introduction? No, 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 no. In fact, I, I, I. I always like taking the uh, the the low road, like you know, <laughs> like don't no fanfare, none of that stuff. And in fact, I had an event in Los Angeles this weekend, and people were like, "Oh my God, Katie Duke!" And I was like, "Man, no, it, it's not like that. I'm <laughs> I'm a regular person, and I'm still always very humbled and very honored to be able to have this platform and this influence because there is no greater, you know, human trait than having influence um, and a voice. So. What I did yesterday was I popped out a question. I said, all right, I am going to be sitting and recording a podcast with Kaplan. What do you guys want to talk about? And there were some interesting questions. Some of them are not appropriate for this podcast, but there is a great deal of, um, of, of questions and, and things that people would like to know and or discuss. So we're going to run right through those. Yeah. Let's talk about the first one. All right. How to study for NCLEX. Now, this is probably one of my most common questions. I took the NCLEX in 2004, which, gosh, that seems like so long ago. Um, I went to a nursing school and I started with my associate's degree, and that was in St. Louis, Missouri. Of course, 14 years ago, associate's degree was, you know, kind of the norm. Yeah. These days, there's a lot bigger push for bachelor's being the, um, the entry degree for a nursing profession, and that's a whole different conversation for a whole separate podcast. That's true. So we'll stick to the, we'll stick to the <laughs> question today. So at my nursing school, you know, they said, all right, you guys, um, here are some things that we recommend of how you prepare for the NCLEX, but 
my school did not, um, they did not provide us with a Kaplan and NCLEX course. They didn't provide us with any materials. They just said, well, this is the biggest exam of your life, so you better be prepared for it. But I had heard from some people on my unit, I worked as a patient care technician on a med surge floor when I was in nursing school. And I heard from some nurses on my unit, oh, you, you should take the Kaplan. And I had no idea what Kaplan was. And frankly, I was terrified because I hate standardized tests. I I, a lot of people do. I mean, I really feel that there is a much better way to test people on their knowledge and their, and their potential than standardized testing because people don't all test the same. You know, some people are much better at talking through questions. Other people are better at, um, you know, at, at actually at, at standardized tests. And then some people just don't learn very well, um, you know, in, in those situations. But uh, anyway, so I was discussing with some of the nurses on my floor who had actually graduated recently. And everybody said the one consistent thing. Oh, you got to take the Kaplan. you got to take the Kaplan. And so I went home and I looked it up and I saw that, you know, it, it's, it's not a free course, but I remember back then I made, I had to weigh a decision. It's either I can do something that I can just look up on my own, I can look online or I can go buy some books and read and it'll probably cost me less than a hundred bucks. And there's a great potential that I might not be prepared for the biggest, most important exam in my life. Or I can spend a couple hundred and actually put an investment into this and be thoroughly and adequately prepared for the most important exam I'll ever take in my entire existence, which was your NCLEX. And so discussing this over with my mom, who is also now a retired nurse, she's like, Catherine Elizabeth, I mean, if you're not willing to put the investment in, but after the in initial investment you've made, you've been in school for all these years, then why are you even doing this? It's and the I final was like, push. I was like, all right, Carolyn, I, I get your point. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're right, though. It's the final push. So how do you study for NCLEX? Well, I mean, ironically, I'm sitting at Kaplan headquarters in New York <laughs> with a whole entire slew of Kaplan products in front of me from the QBanks which started $99 to the prep packs, which um, started $129, which gives you content and practice packs and QBanks versus the course bundles, which start at $399. And you can actually have interactions in a classroom with a nurse educator in person, live or over the internet or on demand. There are many different ways that you can study for the NCLEX. I am going to tell you that you need to take the Kaplan because that's what I personally took and that's what I have consistently told every student I've ever precepted in the last 14 years. And that's what worked for me. Um, some schools out there provide it in the tuition. Um, it's covered. It comes as part of your nursing program and other places don't. But it depends on what kind of learner you are. If you do really good with looking up questions on your own and, um, and watching webinars on the internet, and if you do really good reading independently, then by all means, the QBank or the prep pack would be an option for you because there is no live in classroom or one-on-one -on -one instruction. But me, I'm what's called a, a tactile learner. I, I need to be in a classroom. I need to have like a notebook with an actual pen. I know we still have those things. I no, still use them. Notebooks and pens, right? Yeah. I think if you're over 30, you, you have to use them and you'll <laughs> use them forever. But I'm that kind of learner. I need to sit in a classroom. I need to see somebody giving a lecture and I need to be able to ask questions in real time and I need real time feedback and I need to write notes because if I don't write notes from something that I'm hearing, it just doesn't stick. And even then it still takes me a little while. So how do you study for NCLEX? Well, take the Kaplan, 
pick which course or which option is right for you um, and make the investment because you have made it all the way through nursing school. It's completely worth the investment. Um, you know, even if you're, even if you're tight for money, find a way to make it happen and, um, and do that final push. All right. So moving on um, the next question here. Can you abolish select all that apply? <laughs> Do you have that power, Katie? Because I know, you know that. <laughs> what? I think I'm gonna have to put a few calls in because uh, I mean, nobody really needs select all that apply questions, but you know what? They're even on the tests in grad school. And guess what? When I took my boards for um, when I finished my master's degree and I took my boards to become a nurse practitioner those questions were still on there and they still made me nervous. And I think that everybody gets nervous on the select all that apply because it's like, Oh my God, there's five answers here. Is, is it just one? Is it, is it all of them? Am I supposed to click three because three is like a nice happy medium between one and five or, or what if the select all that apply, select all that apply? What if that's like, just like a trick? What if this is a trick question and there's really only one answer and you know what you do? You start overthinking everything. And when people overthink things, that's when we make mistakes. But I always say, trust your gut, whatever your first answers are, even on those select alls that apply, just stick with it and don't change your answers. Yeah. And we have actually a great strategy that we recommend here as well, which is to think about each answer choice as an individual true or false. Right. So thinking oh, about yeah. them as separate answers or separate oh, yeah. questions rather than just one, because that really helps to break it down. Yeah, that's um, okay. yeah. So that's how you can also make it a little bit easier for yourself. But if only we could abolish, right? That would yeah. be. I think we'll just, maybe we could send a tweet to like the, we'll, uh, yeah, the, the, the American Association of <laughs> like nursing credentialing or, you know, they've got to listen to us. Of I course. Mean, well, you know. <laughs> um, so the next, all right. So the next question, um, dissecting questions and setting priorities. How exactly do you dissect questions when you're taking the NCLEX? How exactly do you dissect questions even when you're taking your boards to become a nurse practitioner? Well, um, I'm actually gonna hand this one over to Matt because I don't really, so there's, there's two answers here. There's an answer from the perspective of the test taker, which would be me. And then there's the answer from the perspective of the expert in, in the field, which would be Matt and Kaplan, because there's always a strategy to every test. Um, you know, any, any governing body that is licensing a board exam is not just going to throw a bunch of random questions out there with random answers. There is a strategy and there is a method to the madness. So how we approach to dissecting those questions and setting the priorities of, you know, what is it that the, that the question is really asking? I'm going to hand that one over to Matt. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit of a, oh, she's pointing right at me. It's a little, it's a little bit of a, a complicated question because it's going to depend, but it does seem like uh, this student is asking specifically about prioritization. And what we say with NCLEX is that in a lot of cases with those types of questions, there's no one single right answer you're looking for the best answer so oh, wait, you want can we just can we say it louder <laughs> for the people in the back i right now i'm picturing every meme that's ever been created but it's true about the best answer oh it's no, true and there's true. we've put the memes together ourselves as well it's <laughs> it's a it's a pain but it's important just for uh nursing practice in general um and the way to think about it is in a lot of those cases if you have those you know four answer choices, let's think about you having four different patients um, or different clients, you want to think about the client who's the most unstable, who 
would need, you know, you might have four unstable clients to begin with in that question, but who's going to be the most unstable? You want to think about um, ABCs, for instance, uh, that being a way to think about prioritization questions. Um, I'll plug that in our classes and even in our resources, we talk about the decision tree, which we're, we don't have time to go through all of it today, which is why we have a whole class dedicated to it. But the decision tree really is the resource that helps you to identify with any individual question how to think about those scenarios and how to prioritize. So, uh, you know, like I said, it is a complicated question because there's no, it's going to depend on the question, but we do have that framework in place for you to think through any individual question and to narrow down, you know, eliminate the incorrect answers and narrow it down to the yeah. one right answer. Yeah. I think that was always my first thing that I did was whenever I saw a question that, um, that, that I just wasn't a hundred percent sure about like right off the bat, how I would dissect it is I would first eliminate the, the answers that are completely irrelevant. Like patient comes in with high blood pressure what is the action of what is the mechanism of action of a beta blocker patient has a fever like i'm like i'm going to eliminate that like the obviously wrong things you have to get those out of the way first cross them off in your mind cross them off on the paper and what you have to do is you, you have to really um you know just like you said you have to you have to make it like a like like almost like a priority tree like yeah which, yeah so um the NCLEX is meant to test not only your knowledge, but it's also meant to test your, your, your competency and as a safe provider. And at the end of the day, it is always those, what is the safest thing and the right thing to do by the patient that the answer so is. And unfortunately, I would love to see the test makers who make the NCLEX in like a dark alley one night and send <laughs> them a message from every single nurse and nursing student. But you know, um, we're taking care of human lives. So of course it's not going to be an easy test. You're not going to get all the questions right. And there's not going to be one solid strategy to help you address and, and get everything correct because that just doesn't exist. And it shouldn't for, for, for all those means. So, um, so that was dissecting questions and setting priorities within the questions. Um, a lot of people are asking about HESI and NCLEX study tips. So I, I actually don't know what HESI is. I've never had to take HESI. Um, do you know what HESI is? It is an exam that some students have to take at some schools. Uh, mm -hmm. If they're getting ready for the NCLEX, it's sort of a, um, an exam to determine like readiness. Step? Yeah, it's yeah. we don't prep students for that here. Mm -hmm. um, right. But we do have our own uh, there are some schools that we work with at Kaplan uh, throughout a student's entire nursing student journey. Um, we do have similar exams, readiness exams, to help students identify what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, so, you know, to get ready for those exams, you definitely want to practice. Ultimately, it's really a matter of getting ready for the NCLEX itself. So, you're going to want to, like Katie mentioned earlier, find a resource that works for you. Um, we're glad that Katie had a great experience with us at Kaplan, so that's always a resource that's available to you. But whatever resource you choose, you want to stay committed to that resource and um, do a little bit of practice every single day. Maybe give yourself a, a day every week to just take a break, um, and you definitely want to incorporate breaks into your schedule as well. Yeah, you you have to you you have to have a balance and. There's a lot of questions on here about 
study work-life balance. And um, if you do not take time for yourself every, every week um, and do something that has nothing to do with work or studying or school, then you're gonna, you're gonna eventually go crazy. I mean, you're, you know, you're already, you're already not sleeping, you know, seven, eight hours a night. You're already stressed. You're already having, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of pressure on you, you know, with education and work life. But um, if you don't take breaks, then you're not going to, you're not going to make it through, through the whole entire cycle. And a lot of people think, oh no, I can't take a break. I need to stay focused. Taking, taking a break does not mean that you're unfocused. Taking a break and, you know, taking a few hours a week or a few days a week to go to the gym or go for a walk or just take a nap or go hang out with your friends or go get a massage or, or to just like read like a non-school book or binge watch Netflix, that is not being a slacker. That is not um, an indicative, um, an indicative thing stating that you are not focused or that you're not prioritizing things. Humans need balanced. So I think, uh, complementing on 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 what Matt said, uh, the best way to prep for NCLEX is you have to get a good study routine down. You you definitely should use you know one of the Kaplan options um, depending on what your learning style is but the third and most and honestly the most important thing is is you, you have to have you have to have breaks you have to have balance so um, you always have to find a way to work that in don't be one of those people that that just pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes and doesn't take a break and then you end up crashing and burning by the time test day comes and then what and you've wasted three months of your life. You've wasted a lot of money, and now you're now you got to do everything over again. Don't be that person. So, um, alrighty. So moving on, um, the road to nurse practitioner school. So um, the road to nurse practitioner school, NP school. This is not a simple question to answer because there's many roads that you can take. But when I I have been a nurse for a little over eight years and I started feeling like I was getting burnt out and I did not want to, I didn't want, I, I didn't want to feel that way. And I think I was getting burnt out because I worked in a level one trauma center in New York city. And, um, I, I mean, that in and of itself is, is a stressful, chaotic job, but I think I wanted to do more. And because I wanted to do more, you know, working as a nurse, you have a certain scope of practice. And I was started thinking, I was like, you know, maybe I need to go to grad school. I feel like I want to do more. I want to be able to have more decision-making authority. I want to expand my scope of practice, but I, I, want to, I want to know more. And I feel that if I pursue those things, then my burnout will, will, will recess. And, um, so I applied for um, a few different grad programs. I applied to CRNA school and didn't get in because I didn't have a very competitive um, application. It was a very, it's very difficult um, and competitive, um, you know, market to get into CRNA programs. I got into an, uh, an adult, um, an adult like primary care program. And then I also got into Columbia and Columbia had the acute care nurse practitioner program that I wanted. I knew that I wanted to work in acute slash critical care. Um, I knew that I wanted to work in the inpatient setting. And um, I, I didn't really know exactly what inpatient setting that would be, but I knew what I wanted to pursue. So I had to take where I was, um, I had to take where I was, which is basically, 
I have a bachelor's degree. I have a lot of good experience between critical care and um, I've worked in several states. I've, I've had some volunteering, but guess what? In order to apply for acute care programs, I had to take the GRE and I also had to take organic chemistry. Oh man. Um, I had to take organic chemistry as an online class. Oh no. Can that's we, that's so hard. Is there like a disaster sound we can like <laughs> insert right here? We can we could probably do that. <laughs> so post production. Yeah. So um years ago when I applied to Columbia, I they're like, Yep, all right. So I met with an admissions counselor. She's like, Listen, you know, your GPA wasn't too too good. Um, you know, in your undergrad. Maybe you should take an extra course to get it up a little bit. Oh, and also you need orgo. And I'm like, What? What? How what? did you even manage an online course? I'm like, organic that's, chemistry. That's tough. What? Can I curse on here? No, probably not. What the <laughs> well, bleep is that? <laughs> um, and like, I've always been a nerd. My dad was a physics professor, but I was like, but I was like, man, like this, God, I hated, oh, I hated chemistry. Anyway, so um, I didn't really, um, like, I was, I was, it was a weird stage in the application process because how the schedule was going, I didn't really have time to, um, I didn't really, I didn't really, I wasn't really on an appropriate timeline to register at like the local like city college and take organic chemistry because their application deadlines were over and I needed to get it before the application deadline for like the next semester at Columbia. And um, I'm like, oh my God. I'm going to take this online. So I took it online through the University of New England and um, there was like recorded lectures and there was, they used Blackboard and um, it was the worst six weeks of my life. <laughs> but you made it through. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I definitely got a C. I don't know how, I don't know how I even got a C in that class. I still to this day, I, I don't remember anything. It was awful. I was like on the phone with my dad, pretty much like crying, like every single night. One of my friends at the time who was um, studying for his MCAT, I basically like paid him to be my tutor. And I'm pretty sure that's the only reason I survived. <laughs> so after I found out, you know, I met with the admission counselor, I found out what I needed to take and how I needed to prepare myself and what I could do to make my application stronger, which was take an extra course, take, um, take organic chemistry, raise my GPA. Um, I got all of that stuff together. And so now I was like, gosh, now I, I need to take the GRE. But guess what? <laughs> There are only certain times that you can take the GRE in New York City. You have to make like an appointment and there's certain testing dates. And guess what? Columbia's application deadline was um, a week away by the time I checked this. And the only GRE appointment was on the Monday. It was Friday afternoon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, normally I would say what you're going to do is you're going to find out you need to take the GRE and you're going to take the Kaplan GRE <laughs> prep course, and you're going to give yourself at least three months to prepare for this yeah. huge and disgusting exam. That's what I'm going to tell you. But what did Katie Duke do? I went and I bought some Kaplan like GRE note cards and the like, basically like GRE for dummies book that Kaplan makes. It's really, it's <laughs> not really called that, but it was, it, it was a, um, it was the GRE, it was purple and red and it was the GRE prep book from Kaplan. I yeah. went and bought it from Barnes and Noble literally that day registered for the exam, which was Monday at 11 a.m. And I remember, and it's Friday night, and then I had Saturday and Sunday, and I'm reading these note cards, and there are so many logic questions, and it, it's like those annoying questions that you have nightmares about, like, 
if a train is leaving France going 672 miles an hour at 2 p.m. and there's a train leaving Germany at, you know, and I'm like, this is, this, this is, this is hopeless. This is like completely hopeless. Um, it was, it was not registering at all. And that was another reminder of I'm not the kind of student that can learn from just reading a book on my own. And, um, but I had no choice. So I went in, I took the GRE and then I found out um, a short period of time later that I got into Columbia. It's amazing. And, um, and, I, and I asked the admissions counselor, I said, can you tell me what I got on my GRE? Because I <laughs> you know, I never even checked it. You never it. want to look? <laughs> I never wanted to look because I was like, I don't think the scale's gonna go that low. <laughs> um, well, you did some prep. I did, so. <laughs> I, yeah, I did some prep thanks to Kaplan's, like you know, um, um, a la carte products that, they, that you can get at Barnes and Noble. Um, yeah. So the road to nurse practitioner school. First, you need to figure out, um, you know, what it is that you want to do. Do you want to pursue education? You can get a degree. Um, you can get a master's in nursing education. But if you get that, then you can't necessarily work clinically, but you can teach. If you want to pursue a clinical degree, you can become a pediatric nurse practitioner, a psych NP, you can become a midwife, you can become a CRNA, you can become a nurse practitioner. Um, and if you get those degrees, you can, also, um, you can also have a component of education in your career as well. If you decide, you know, I don't really want to work with patients. I've, I've worked as an NP for a few years and I, I think I want to teach students. You can always teach the degree level underneath you. So if you have a master's degree, you can teach baccalaureate students, BSN students. If you are a CRNA, you know, you can teach, um, you can teach students that are incoming to a program there. If you, um, if you don't, you know, if you want to change that. I tell people that the clinical degree has the most flexibility because you can always teach. You can teach clinicals, you can teach didactics for the degree, um, for, for one degree underneath what you have, and you can also work clinically. That's what I do. It gives me the best flexibility with my schedule, and that's just what I like to do. Um, and we're not even going to talk about the DNP because that's a whole separate podcast in and of itself. Um, so that was my road to becoming a nurse practitioner. Still don't know how the heck I passed the GRE, but hey, thanks Kaplan study you did it. books. <laughs> so here we go. Um, There's actually a, a great question here um, that I'd love to get your perspective on since you work mm -hmm. with uh, so many new students, which so is tips for new grads on the floor. Oh yeah, yeah, this is actually a good one. Um, so tips for new grads on the floor. If you are a new grad nurse and you are at your first job, we have all been there. Dun, dun, dun. I wish <laughs> the we had like, I wish we had like loud. You like, and I will sit down effects. together. We'll decide what effects <laughs> we want to add in. <laughs> right. So if you are, if you are the new grad nursing student, um, I think the most important thing for you to remember is this. Be patient. No pun intended. Uh. <laughs> ah. You, you have That's to be, good. yeah, you have to be patient. Even if you have worked as a CNA, as a medical assistant, as a medic, as an EMT, even if you have had experience with patient care, as a new grad, you have to be patient. My biggest piece of advice that I tell all of my students, and I have precepted so many over the years, and I love precepting students, is you have to be patient. Why? Because you're not going to get everything the first week, the first month, the first year. You are coming into a whole brand new career field, a brand new hospital or healthcare facility. You have a lot of things to learn. So you have to give yourself time to learn those things. 
don't get frustrated and don't get down on yourself and don't get mad when you don't understand the mechanism of action of your patient's 56 meds. Don't get down on yourself when there's a code and you're not really 100% sure what your role in the team is at first or, or what you're supposed to do as the new grad. Don't get so down on yourself and get frustrated and feel like this is not the, that, that this is not the career for you, you know, when, when, when you're faced with a very difficult patient and you needed to call for backup. There is never, ever, ever a reason um, to, to get down on yourself and doubt your journey and doubt your path as a new grad. Even as a seasoned nurse, there is. Uh, there isn't. So I tell people, be patient because you, you got to give yourself time to, to sink in. You got to give yourself time to learn, time to get your routine down, and time to adjust. Um, in fact, I precepted a nurse practitioner um, recently, and um, she was great. She was coming from another hospital. She actually had a year of nurse practitioner experience in a different unit. And my service that I work on right now can be very overwhelming. Our patients are very sick, and we have a very high acuity and a high census all the time. Mm. Um, which is great learning experience, but it yeah. can be overwhelming. And I remember, you know, when she came in, I think she was just thinking, oh, no, I have, I have experience. I'm going to catch on quick. But she's learning how to use a new computer system. Epic. She's learning um, a new group of colleagues to work with, a new group of physicians, a new group of nurses, a new hospital that has new policies, new, new codes to the clean supply room, new layout, new procedural, new procedures, new protocols, a new group of patients, and also just a new practice area. So like, do you see how that can be overwhelming, even for somebody with experience? So when you're the new grad, you need to give yourself time to, to sink in. And I tell people that sometimes can take a year. You know, don't ever be scared to ask questions because it is always the safest nurse and the safest provider that will ask questions, even when you have to take a slice of humble pie. Even when somebody may think that's the most obvious thing, it is always going to be the safest, the safest provider that asks the questions. Um, you know, so be patient with yourself. Give yourself time to, to adjust to, to everything and, um, and ask questions. You know, when you ask questions, you be proactive. My last little piece of advice would be to, to be an educated nurse. Um, before you ask somebody a question, unless it's like an emergency, take a minute and go and look it up for yourself. There are a lot of great apps. Um, one of my favorite apps that I use is called UpToDate. It is actually the database um, that the clinical trials um, research data is in, and, and it's what we use every day to make medical decision-making and, and um, to make to make decisions on patient care, but it's a really great resource if you are looking up, you know, all right, well, I'm getting a patient from the emergency room and he's coming in with acute coronary syndrome. So what are you gonna do? If you look that up before you ask the, the nurse that you're precepting with, you will not only learn it quicker and retain it better, but you're being proactive. And the proactive nurse will always have the upper hand in every situation, and sometimes, in fact, I remember the nurse who precepted me, my first week, she's like, Katie, think like a doctor. And I was like, what? <laughs> what kind of crap is that? Like, I'm, I'm a nurse. She's like, but you can't put yourself in the nurse box. 
they don't always encourage you as much in school to be curious and ask questions and read and read and read yeah. as much as we should. Right. We learn a lot more in nursing school. Do, do, do. The order says this, do it. Um, but my preceptor, Steffi G is her name. She still is working as a nurse and she's still one of my best friends. She was like, no, 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 no. You don't just do. You need to look up and you need to read and you need to research before you do. And so I have just been doing that forever. So those are my most important pieces of advice for a new grad nurse on the floor of how to survive and how to really get in there and hit the and hit the ground running. Be patient with yourself. Give yourself time to sink in. Be proactive. Ask questions and look things up. And um, if you take those few things, then then everything will be okay. That's great. I think so. Here's the one I I wanna I wanna address this one next. Yeah, and I think um, that I think we have time for maybe one or two more. Yeah. Um, so I definitely want to see what you want to address. A friend has failed the NCLEX three times. What's your advice to her to to get it passed? So this is I I get this question a lot, um, and I you know people fail people fail exams for a lot of different reasons. People fail exams because they, um, cause they, they're nervous. People fail exams because they're not prepared. People fail exams because they miss one question. And it's that one question that, that sets them, you know, that, that is the tipping point. But um, I failed an exam before. In fact, I failed my PEDS class in my undergrad. I had to retake PEDS and I was like, God, my life is over. But guess what? It wasn't. I still became a nurse. I still graduated took me an extra semester. Um, and then a few years ago, I was taking my CCRN and I failed my, um, no, I'm sorry, my CEN. I was taking my CEN and I failed it the first time. Yep. But do you know why I didn't fail it the first time? I failed the first time. I failed it because I did not prepare myself. I just downloaded some questions off the internet. Um, I took like a practice course and I read some stuff from like, from like a, a, just some like random book that I, that I, that I found. And um, they're like, oh, prepare yourself for the CEN. And I half-assed it. Do we have to bleep that? That's no, okay. <laughs> Maybe. We'll let that one slide. We'll, we'll let that, <laughs> we'll give you a hall pass for that one, for the half-ass. <laughs> um, but I, but I, but I honestly wasn't prepared, but I kept thinking, oh, no, no. So I'm, I'm a nurse. I've already been an ER nurse for several years. This is all like, I'll, I'll be fine. And that exam humbled me. And I was so upset when I failed that. And so the next, um, the next week I was like, all right, I guess I need to prepare myself. So I actually took an, uh, like a live course. There's a review course that's offered for the CEN, which was like a, which was like a, um, like a live review course. And I took that and I passed it. And I'm like, I don't know why I didn't do this the first time. I guess I just wanted to save money, save time. I don't know. It wasn't a priority for me. So I think when people don't pass the NCLEX, it's devastating because you've spent all these years in school and you know the NCLEX is your last step to getting a job and being a grown-up, being free. You know, like, oh, I can start a new job and I can like move out or I can get my own things or I can have that nice new paycheck coming through. Like, boy, do I remember my first paycheck as a nurse. Ooh. Lord, that was like life changing. <laughs> Cha-ching. Always good that first paycheck. Yeah, that first paycheck was great. But um, but you know, the NCLEX is the NCLEX is not an easy thing. And I cannot stress enough. This is the biggest exam of your life. 
until you get to, you know, like if you choose to go into grad school, then that becomes it. But it's the same thing. It is a licensing board exam to determine your competency as a provider. And if you fail that, it is not the end of the world, but you have to look at the lesson in the situation. There's always a lesson in a bad situation. Fail in the end class, it's a bad situation. But if you can't take a step back and own your part of it and take responsibility, then you're going to fail it again and again. So here's what I would advise you to work through that. If you fail the NCLEX, this is what you need to do. You need to go over your material that you had um, the, uh, that you were, quote, I guess, your weaker areas. You're going to get information that says these were your stronger areas, these were your weaker areas. It doesn't mean that you don't need to review the information that you had stronger areas in, but it means that you need to focus a little more on the areas that you were weak in. But you need to look at how you prepared for it. So how did you prepare for it? Did you not prepare for it? Did you just take online questions? Did you just read a book on your own? Did you watch some live, uh, did you like pop some CDs in and watch some webinars? Um, and for whatever you did, you have to understand that maybe that was not enough. Either you didn't spend enough time doing it or it wasn't the right approach for you. And here's where I would say again, maybe you need to contact Kaplan and find out what kind of a learner you are because you might have not done the right strategy based on what, your, what type of learning style that you have. Um, so part of the thing is, is when you fail the NCLEX, you have to wait you know, a certain period of time before you can take it again. And that might be a miserable time in your life, but it'll pass. But the most important piece to passing the NCLEX, the NCLEX is adequate preparation. And if you're taking um, a review that is not really targeted for somebody with your learning style, then you're probably going to fail it again, um, you know? And at the end of the day, this is where we go back to making that investment in yourself. Your education and your training and um, is the most important investment in yourself that you'll ever have. And, um, and I think that this is another reminder that if you fail the NCLEX, you might just need to make a little more of an investment in yourself. So whether that consists of approaching your preparation different or giving yourself more time, um, you need to take a step back, take a slice of humble pie and say, you know what, I need to take responsibility. This is what I need to work on and um, it's doable. I have resources at my disposable, at, at, at my disposable. <laughs> I have resources. Some of them are disposable Some or recyclable. <laughs> but um, take that step back and say, you know, um, I need to do this better. Um, I have resources that are available at my disposal. I'm going to really put effort and the appropriate amount of time into this, but this is what I'm going to focus on. And that investment in yourself is going to pay off. So even if you fail NCLEX once, I know people that have failed it two times. I know people that have failed it three times because they reach out to me via email, via message um, online. And guess what? I have the same conversation with them. Where do you think you went wrong? Looking back, tell me how did you prepare? Well, I just read some books. Okay, so let's start there. Maybe we need something a little more thorough than just reading books. You know, so you really have to take a step back and dissect it, but get another person involved. And truthfully, if you can talk to like a more senior nurse or reach out to somebody you follow online, or um, also, you know, talking one-on-one -on -one with somebody at Kaplan, they have tons of people here their entire existence revolves around you passing the NCLEX at Kaplan NCLEX prep. Like 
that's it. Kaplan Nursing has a whole team of people who can help you figure out what kind of a learner you are. What do the experts think that think would be the best learning style for you? And that stuff matters. So um, if you find yourself in that situation, I would say take advantage of all the resources at your disposal. I agree. Uh, and yeah, I would say if, um, just to piggyback on Katie's point, <clears throat> if you do want to reach out to us, you can certainly do so. I mean, if you have any questions about preparing for the NCLEX, you can easily just send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram. We have a team that's really dedicated to helping you get started and figure out what you should be doing, if, whether this is your first time taking the exam or if you've failed the exam before and you need a little bit of guidance. That's really what we're here to help with. Yeah. And I think I, I, I know we're, we're going, we're, we're going close to the we're time, close up to time <laughs> but I, I have to just add this in that students in 2018 and beyond are really blessed to have so many resources at their disposal. When I was a student, there was really like, I mean, there was internet, but there was no social media. I couldn't just send a DM to Kaplan Nursing on Instagram. I couldn't reach out to their Facebook. There was no Facebook community because there was no, no Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> there was my Actually, there wasn't even MySpace. That's how old I am, you guys. This was before MySpace. And half the funny thing is, half the people won't even know what MySpace is. That's right. Oh, God. But, <laughs> I like, use but the thing is, is like always use your resources. The people who succeed out there, they don't know everything. They don't get straight A's. They don't, um, they, they don't excel in, in everything that they ever take on. The people who succeed out there, not only in nursing, but in healthcare and medicine, in every professional um, profession, those people know how to use their resources. So you have to think smart. And that is what I'm going to leave you guys on. Drops mic. Drops mic. Boom. We'll add, we'll add the sound effect in. Um, and Katie, because you are such a great source of knowledge, I really want to give listeners who might not be following you, I assume everybody listening is already following you, but who those who might not be, where can they find you across the internet? Yes. So my handle is the same um, across Instagram. Instagram is my primary thing because Instagram is just fun, easy, and there's really not many ads and not too much politics. <laughs> but um, my, my handle is at the Katie Duke, T-H-E-K-A-T-I-E-D-U-K-E. -E -E. Or you can also check out my website, which really I just have to say, yes, I have a website. <laughs> Everybody has to have one. <laughs> yeah, let's just be honest. I mean, like it's not my primary place. I mean, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and um, you can also email me at thekatyduke at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have concerning your path or your journey, especially with regards to NCLEX prep. And um, yeah. Yeah. And for those of you who are wanting to reach out to uh, Kaplan as well, uh, if you're looking to begin your journey in NCLEX prep or you're even just in nursing school and looking for some guidance, you can find us also on Facebook and Instagram. We're also on Twitter and Pinterest and YouTube. And our handle is the same across all those channels, which is Kaplan and Clex Prep. So you can reach out to us on any of those channels. And if you're really just wanting to get it, go ahead and get started, uh, you can click the link in the description of our podcast episode, and that'll take you right to kaplannursing.com, where you can learn more about some of the resources Katie mentioned in the beginning, like our QBank and content and practice packs and course bundles, as well as, uh, you know, any other prep that we have that is available. So, uh, Katie, I want to thank you so much for coming out to our podcast. No, it's been no, amazing having you. you. I wish we, we had should, more time. We should like do this on a part we two. Do this on, like, uh, yeah, we should do more. This, is, <laughs> this, this was good. Obviously we could, we could talk forever about this and we have like a hundred more questions to answer. So. I know we'll definitely have to do this again.
But um, thank you all so much for listening. And we uh, look forward to seeing you again in a future PrepCast.